0: God is worthy. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 24. We want to believe God for a holy visitation. What's up my brother? You want to hang out with Jesus? Come on. We give the invitation to Jesus Christ for a holy visitation. I'm going to say that again. We give the invitation to Jesus Christ for a holy visitation. And when He comes, He will bring illumination and revelation. Hallelujah. We will believe God for a holy visitation in all of our services. Amen? Sometimes we may shout and holler. Sometimes we may cry. We may laugh. We may run. We may shake. We may, I mean, whatever God does, we say, Lord, use us. Saul got in the presence of the Lord and he prophesied. He took off his clothes and he lay naked among the prophets. All day and night, the Bible says, David danced before the Lord. His wife that he got from Saul, Micah looked at him, mocked him, and he said, I will become even more undignified than this. So I want to say to you guys, we'll become even more crazy than this. Amen? For the glory of God. And those of you that are gospel preachers living for Jesus Christ, these services are for you. Our visitors, we welcome you. But there's only one way to heaven. That's either all the way for Jesus or no way with the devil. That's it. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Amen? It's either all the way or no way. Now today's message is wonderful because we've already basically heard it from our musicians. And that's when I just know God is speaking because it's already been said, you know. All I'm going to do now as the preacher is expound on it. Show you how to walk away from today's service with something in your, in your belly, on the inside, that will continue to change you as you walk out of these services. Amen? Because the Bible says, the, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Also in Psalms 119, the Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He says, I have hidden thy word in thy heart that I may not sin against you. You want to live holy for God, keep God's word in your heart. Amen? Another word for your heart is your mind. Meditate upon God's word. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Amen you got to get the Word of God in you and love the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Eat with the Word of God. Amen. Do everything with the Word of God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good. Amen. Psalms 24, on the back of your announcements are notes. Today's message is a generation that seeks his face. Today's message is a generation that seeks his face. Psalms 24, written by David, the Old Testament warrior and king. The second king of Israel gave us a passage here to encourage us to seek his face. Everybody say, seek his face. Most people in the church today, they want to seek God's hand. Their name is Jimmy and they'll take all you can give me. Hello? That's all they want. Jesus give me this. Jesus give me that. They used to believe in Santa Claus, but now they've believed in Jesus. And they just want everything from Jesus. That's all he's good for is his hand. The Bible says that God is more than just a hand of provision. He is a person who desires a relationship with us. He says He is our bridegroom. We are His bride. We are His sheep. He is our shepherd. He will lead us and provide us on this for, for us on this journey. But it's more than the provisions. It's about our relationship to Him. Amen? And just like a father would be disappointed if the only time he saw his children is when they wanted their allowance. How many children know what I'm talking about? Some of you bigger children, you know what I'm talking about. I used to grow up in a house where I got allowance, and that was sometimes the only time I spent with my father. It's just saying, Dad, can I get my allowance? And I remember on Friday nights, my dad would take out Yahtzee. And I was like 15 years old, and I was already doing drugs at that time. And I could just remember my dad taking out the Yahtzee you know, little cup with the little dice. If you don't know what it is, it's a game that you roll dice and you put in a little cup and you try to get certain types of dice, you know. You know what I'm talking about, some of you here. And, and he would just sit at the kitchen table, I remember this, and just shake the thing. You know, it's like, you're going to hang out to me with me today? And I'm like, man, it's Friday night, Dad. You know, I don't hang out with you on Fridays. I hang out with my friends. And I remember following that path and where that path took me and how it destroyed my life. And I think about that now when we come to church and how we just tell God, God, I just hang out with you on Sundays. But God tomorrow morning is going to wake up and he's going to kind of shake that little Yahtzee thing. He's going to say, are we going to spend time together now? You see, and the true Christian says, I haven't just come for your hand, I've come for your face. I've come to seek you. And so when you hear the Lord call your name, you say, yes, Lord, here am I. I'm your servant. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. And and if you just want me to spend time with you today, then that's all I'm going to do. Some of you say I'm too busy to spend time with God. John Wesley says you're too busy not to spend time with God. He said I get so busy sometimes that I mean that means instead of praying an hour a day, I need to wake up an extra hour earlier so I can spend two hours with the Lord because I'm so busy that I don't want to lose my focus on God. Somebody say, Seek His face. This is David right here talking in Psalms 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Before we go into our main portion of the text, I want to speak to our generation right here that's being influenced by atheism in the schools, that's being influenced by postmodern theology, relativism. I want to tell you right now, the Bible is verifiable. It makes a scientific claim right here that God created the earth. That means it didn't always exist. And that when life came from the earth, it came from water. Everything in science proves that today. Even the Big Bang Theory, which I don't hold to all of the details of it. I believe Jesus spoke it, bang, it happened. Still proves the Bible to be true because... Up until about the 1960s, atheists had got so ignorant that instead of claiming that there was an eternal God, they were claiming that the universe was eternal, just to get away from a creator. So when they stumbled upon the facts of the Big Bang, that there was a beginning, and that now the universe is still expanding from that beginning, it now points to exactly what the Bible says, that there had to be a creator. I want you to think about what makes the world the world today, matter, space, and time you got to put on your thinking caps. Welcome to church. Amen. Matter, space, and time. If all you have is matter and you don't have space, you have nowhere to put it. If all you have is time and you have nothing, you don't know where you are, when you are, or what you are. And if all you have is space, then you don't know where you are in that space or a boundary. So you need matter, which is the thing. You need the space in which it takes up, and you need a time in which it exists. Matter, space, and time is the natural world that we exist in today. Everything comes from that. But what created matter, space, and time, the scientists have no clue. So the one who says, I believe in science rather than God, is actually uh, what the Bible calls a fool. Because the fool says in their heart, there is no God. The fool will say there's matter, space, and time, and it came from nothing. If you truly believe in science, then you have to go on everything that you know. A watch comes from a watchmaker. All of the things you see have a creator. So if we have everything in the known universe, matter, space, and time, then that means it had to come from somewhere, something. Are you listening? Now that somewhere, something can't be matter, space, and time. Because matter, space, and time can't create itself. How many know what I'm talking about? A, commuter, a computer does not come out of nothing You know, and create itself. It has to be created by something. So therefore, the Creator has to be spirit. He has to transcend matter, space, and time. So if you look for God in matter, space, and time, you won't see Him because He's not matter, space, and time. He's spirit. So everybody who's looking for a visible God is actually contradicting the very thought of God. If He created the visible universe, that means He has to be invisible to create the visible universe. But in the visible universe, you find laws, and these laws prove that there is order, and it gives evidence that it came from a creator, the law of gravity, the law of physics, the, the law of all of the things you know true today. Are you all listening? The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's. Now you know what it's talking about. A little science to put on that. Amen? Go back and listen to the website. Review it and go to some of our websites on the link page and learn about how God created the world. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. That is verifiable. That is actual. This is not parabolic. This is a historical truth. God created everything you and I see. You belong to Him. And if you don't bow down and live for Him now, He has the permission and the right and the authority to judge and send your soul to hell. Just listen to that again. He owns you now. That's not a question of whether or not he owns you. He already does. The question is, do you bow down to him now and accept him as your Lord and Savior? Or do you see him on judgment day, bow down to him by force, and then get sentenced to hell? Because you are his already. Okay, now you may not be born again and be his child. You may be a son or daughter of the devil because there's no two ways about it. But listen to me, He owns you, He owns your soul, and He'll do with you whatever He pleases. The Bible says, where is their God? The writer writes back, our God is in heaven, and He does whatever He pleases. Amen? Somebody say, He's sovereign. Say this quickly with me. He is God. I am man. He is sovereign. Say it one more time. He is God. I'm not. And He does what He wants. Amen. Get on the plan. Now here's where we go to the text today, verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? David lived in a time where the place they would meet with God would be around what was called the Ark of the Covenant. Brother, put up that slide for us, please, of the, uh, the tabernacle of Moses. In the Old Testament time, they had to build a tent. was called the Tent of Meeting. They had to offer sacrifice. That's what's going on right here with the, uh, with the fire right here. This is sacrifice. This is then cleansing. And then going into the room right here, there are three items. The table of showbread, the, the menorah, the seven candlestick, and then the altar of incense. And then the final room where that fire is over was the Ark of the Covenant. Here's how it works. In Old Testament, if you want to get together with God, you've got to go to the Ark. Because where the Ark is... The Ten Commandments are there, and God's glory is there. That's where you meet with God. Somebody say, meet with God. David lived in a time where that ark did not have a permanent place to stay. They had been at war with other nations. Moses was commanded to build the ark. God said he would put his fire by night over the ark and a cloud by day. The ark was out of its environment. It was out of a temple. It did not have a place. David was commanded to go get the ark. When he brought the ark back to Jerusalem, that's when the Bible says he danced himself out of his clothes. The Bible says he got so excited, he started taking off his clothes. Now what the Bible considers naked is when a man would be in his t-shirt and boxer. So he's not literally buck naked, okay? He's not like swinging around a pole, I love Jesus, you know, doing these little things like that, okay? It wasn't a perverted thing. But it would be like me literally taking off my shirt to I have my undershirt on and then my boxers. They would wear one garment called an ephod. It would just be like one garment. It would just cover them like a, like it was like a little dress. Okay, David wore like a little dress, and it was called an ephod. Okay, that's how they dressed back then. Then he put his robe over that. And the Bible says he got so excited for God, he took off his robe. Amen. Now listen, when he's writing Psalms 24, put it back up there for us, brother. Look at your Bible. He is now calling the place where he meets with God, the hill of the Lord, and he's calling it a holy place. When he brought in that ark god knew his heart and that when god uh, when he met with god when he came to that ark with an open heart god would meet with him there even though the temple had not yet been built solomon eventually built the temples everybody with me here he calls this place the hill of the lord and he calls it his holy place now i want you to see now in the new testament where that place is everybody turn with me to first corinthians chapter six The hill of the Lord, the holy place for David in the Old Testament, was where the Ark of the Covenant was. Let us see now where that is for us today. Go on down a little bit for me, brother. Just a little bit more. Thank you, right there. Start in verse 18. This will help you give you some context. Paul is now in the New Testament. What separates the Old Testament from the New Testament? Jesus Christ. That's the deal. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ had not yet died for man's sin. So man had to sacrifice animals and go to a temple. One building, one place in that building had God's presence and glory. And you could only go there by sacrifice. Or rather, you could only get to the tent of meeting by sacrifice. Where that picture I was showing you, where the fire was, that's as far as you could go. And then only the priest could go into the room where the holy place was are y'all with me okay now paul is speaking after jesus has died buried resurrected and ascended to heaven the bible said when he did so that the veil that came about eventually in the temple that would separate the ark of the covenant from the other rooms the bible says that when jesus died that veil split in two And what that means is, is that now everybody can get into God's presence. Amen. Everybody can go to the hill of the Lord. Everybody can go to the holy place. But just as you're going to learn in Psalms 24, there are requirements for going there, even though everybody's invited, there are requirements. So it is in the New Testament. So the the application of Psalms 24 is for us today. Is everybody understanding? Let me give you an example. If you come to my house... Our front door is not the door we prefer you to come in through. Because we don't have a place to kick off your shoes. It's a hallway that goes directly to the upstairs apartment. So I tell everybody to come around the back door. Y'all follow me here, okay? So there's a way to come into my apartment. If you come to the front door, I'm going to shout through the front door, come to the back door, okay? Because if you come around to the back door, there's a porch and an indoor patio. Everybody can kick off their shoes and come in. See, God is saying, I have a way to get in. Are you listening? There's a way to get into God's presence. There's a way to get together with God. I'm going to teach you right now how to get together with God. The last point I'm going to give you before we get to those points of how to get together with God is where God is now. He used to be around that tabernacle. used to be around the Ark of the Covenant. Now see where he is and let's follow his instruction. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? Amen, with your body. So where's the temple of God? Somebody point to it. Your body. And that's where the Holy Spirit needs to come. Now, the difference between us and people like Hindus and Buddhists, they think you already have a little God living on the inside of you, even though you have sin. We don't believe that. We believe the Bible says you are a sinner, and until you are born again by the Spirit, you are on your way to hell. You do not have God in you yet. There has to come a transformation. There has to come a change. The good part is you didn't make yourself get a physical body, and you can't make yourself have a spiritual body. Amen? Did anybody have a part in them getting a physical body? Lonely old night, 68 Chevy backseat, listening to Al Green. Did anybody have a part in that with their mom and dad? Hello? (laughs) No. You just came out. That's right. You didn't have to even work at it. Your mom was doing all the pushing. Amen? Now the Bible says you're born again, John chapter 3, by the Father doing the work through the Son of Jesus, His blood, and through the Spirit. Amen? Everybody say be born again. Now let's go to Psalms 24. God has a plan to impart His Holy Spirit into us. If you've been born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. Now you can meet with God. You don't have to just come to a four-walled building once or twice a week. You can meet with God at home. You can meet with God on your job. Wherever you begin to apply these principles and meet with them, you can go to the hill of the Lord and stand in His holy place. Amen. Matter of fact, before we even get to this, go to James chapter 4. So that you can see how simple it is to want to be with God. Some people say, well, you know, I don't know if God wants to spend time with me. or I don't know if God's real. I ask him, have you ever asked him to spend time with you? Come on. I was just talking to an atheist yesterday that said, I don't believe in God. I said, well, God believes in you. He loves you. She said, well, I don't think God is real Et cetera, et cetera. So you know what I said? I said, you know what? Just pray to God and ask him to come and see what happens. Have a mustard seed of faith. She said, no, I, don't, I can't do that. I said, well, then don't say he doesn't exist. I said, if you told me Gary's down the road, and I said, well, I don't believe Gary exists, and then you give me a cell phone and say, call Gary up, talk to him now, he'll answer, hello, this is Gary. It's like, dude, if you haven't called, don't say the man doesn't exist. If you haven't done what the Bible says you need to do to hang out with them, you can't say that you don't. It doesn't exist because you haven't done what He said. If you're still standing at my front door, haven't come in the house, there must be a problem. You haven't come to the back door yet. You just need to do what I've asked you to do, and you'll be in the house. Amen. Now, this is what Jesus says: If you don't do that, you are a fool. That the Bible calls you a fool. Listen to me: If you don't do that, you are a fool. Because a fool has instruction and doesn't apply it. Apply the instruction. Now look at James uh, chapter 4. Go down a little bit here. past the adulterous people. That was last week's message. Amen. Look right here. You just pass it right up. Go right here to verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Here's, here's the directions to God's house. Submit yourself to him. Resist the devil. So that means you've got to actually stop doing the devil stuff. you got to humble yourself to God and say, okay, I think You could be real. You're probably bigger than me. You're a little bit smarter than me. I'm going to try this your way now. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You see how that works? You start off saying, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to admit that God is who he is. I'm going to resist the devil and all the lies he's telling me, and I'm going to come near to him. The Bible says every time you do that, he will what? Come near to you. Then the Bible says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Everybody say, seek His face. So just reviewing right here, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Amen. It belongs to God. The temple was among the uh, people of Israel with the Ark of the Covenant. Now it's in us. We have to be born again, though. Have to submit ourselves to God. And now every day of our lives, we can have a place to meet with God. Every day we can talk to the Lord. We can hear him talk to us. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. You can have God talk to you about who to marry, single people, people in marriage, how to stay happily married. Amen. Men, how to keep mama happy. Right? We can hear that from God. He can teach us how to do that. Now, here's how you make time for God and get with him. According to Psalms 24, it says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. The message is seek his face. What's the first thing you have to do? Clean your hands. What's the second thing you have to do? Get a pure heart. What's the third thing? Don't lift up your soul to a what? An idol. And number four, what? Don't swear by what is false. Don't lie. This is what we need to do, friends. Starts off, the Bible says, with our hands. Our hands here are symbolic of our conscience. The things we do in life, we need to have clean hands. We need to have a clear conscience. What have you done in life? Have you got dirty hands today? I can make this real personal right now with men and pornography. Hello, men. Do you have dirty hands? You won't see the Lord in your life if you do. You see, come on. What do you do with your life? You could also say, do you have dirty feet? Some of you here, did you go out this weekend and go places you ought not have gone? Then you have dirty feet. You've been in unclean places. What about dirty mouths? Have people said things this week? Have you said things you ought not to have said? I heard a person say the other day, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to swear. Yes, it does. In Ephesians 5, the Bible says, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Yes, the Bible does teach us not to swear and to cuss. Absolutely. So where does it start off? Where where does this relationship with you and God daily start off? It starts off with you saying, God, cleanse my hands, cleanse my feet, cleanse my mouth, and keep me clean, Jesus. Do you know that I haven't sinned yet today? You don't have to sin every moment of every day, guys. Come on. Ladies, brothers, sisters, we don't have to live in sin. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if we've been truly born of God, 1 John 5 eight, we will not continue in sin. Even if we should sin, we don't continue in it. If a Christian brother starts to lust, he'll say, that is wrong. Lord, forgive me. Guard my heart and my eyes. And if there's anything in his life that causes that lust, he'll cut it off. You see, right now, let's say your eyes are dirty because you've been watching things you ought not do. You should then go home after you pray today and get rid of all your DVDs, get rid of all that junk, cut off your subscription to Comcast and all of that, and start to make room for God to cleanse you and make you holy. Amen? How serious you are you about being clean in your hands and your eyes and every part of you? How much is meeting with God? How much does that mean to you? You see, to me, it means everything. I want to get closer to Him. I remember when the Lord told me, get rid of the big stuff. You know, the music I listened to and the drugs and all those things. I remember kind of like after that stuff, I was like, Lord, what else can I give up? Because I want to get closer to You. I kind of felt like that hot air balloon that goes up and they have all these sandbags and the more they let off, the higher they get. And listen to me, the Lord then said, now I'm going to deal with all the inner things in your heart and that moves us to the second thing. You see, after God deals with all the actions and the big stuff, To us, it's obvious. Like, I could see in your life those things. You could see them in my life. But now the next thing he says we got to have is a pure heart. Now he's going to deal with our thought life. The heart meaning our thoughts, our mind. He's not talking about a pure heart. You know, in your cardiovascular system, though, I think that would be good, right? Nobody needs to have a heart attack here. Be healthy, amen? Eat well, stay low. Eat, food's low in class, cholesterol, if I can even say it. But that's not the heart he's talking about. The heart he's talking about in the Bible and all throughout the Bible is your mind. It's the center of who you are. And now the Bible says you've got to have a pure heart. And Jesus begins to teach us how the heart will be judged by God. He says if you lust after a woman in your heart, it is the same as committing adultery with your hands and your body. Are you all with me? So God is now saying he wants to take it one step further. Not only does he want your hands to be clean and everything you do to be clean, but now he wants your heart, your mind to be pure. That means we've got to get rid of stinking thinking. The Bible says to be angry with your brother and to get angry with him without cause makes you a murderer. Then the Bible goes on to other things that aren't as, mo- uh, as popular. They're not as, as, as preached as much. Bitterness can defile your heart, make your heart dirty. To begin to have unforgiveness, to say, oh, so-and-so did this to me. And maybe what they did was absolutely hideous and wrong. We've talked to people who've been molested and abused. And they'll say, I'll never forgive my father. I'll never forgive so-and-so. But they don't understand by holding that unforgiveness, they're keeping an unclean heart. Because bitterness is dirty in God's eyes. Unforgiveness is filthy in His eyes. And what He's asking us to do is, if you want to hang out with me, this is what you got to do. Clean your hands and purify your heart. Now here's the good news, guys. We can't do this. Only God can do it. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and just see how the good stuff of God comes. Actually, the Bible calls it justification. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 teaches us how can a man who is dirty in their heart, dirty in their hands, become clean? Romans chapter 5 verse 1 was the famous scripture that Martin Luther based the whole Protestant movement on. Justification by faith. Everybody say justification, justification by faith. I want you to see what it says. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. I'm there. Amen. I might have to read the whole chapter because it's so good. Y'all ain't got nowhere to go today, right? Amen. Nope. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Look at it. It says Therefore, since we have been justified through what? Faith. We have... Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Man, you could just live your whole life on that verse right there. When we just simply put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit first drew us. We were first were brought to the Father by the Spirit. But when you said, "I I love Jesus. I'm going to believe in Jesus," you were justified. What does that word justified mean? Write it on your paper. Just if I'd never sinned. Write it out. Just slash if slash I-E-D, I'd, and put the sentence, never sinned. That's what they taught us in Bible college. It's so easy to remember. Was it mean to be justified by faith? When I came to Jesus Christ, put my faith in Him, I was justified. It was in my life. Justified, never sinned. All of my sins were washed away. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it was justified for yourself, speaking of I. You never sinned. Just if you never sinned. So how does a person who's dirty and filthy, who's a sinner, ever get to that place? They come to Christ Jesus in faith. Now keep going into verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that, that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So where's the Holy Spirit? In our hearts! And our hearts is our minds and our thoughts. And the Bible says He's given us His Holy Spirit. And He's given us through grace and love. Now we may go through some suffering. This battle between you wanting to spend time with God and be holy and going back to your old sinful self will be a battle. And it may cause suffering. You may be used to going out to the club doing reggaeton all night, okay? And then the Lord says to you, "No." And you may be like, "I'm having a little, you know, a little trouble here, man. I you know, I'm kind of fiending for the club or for somebody else, you know?" And maybe like, "You want to go to the university and study." But the Lord says, "Stay home and pray." And you're just like, "I can't do that, Jesus. I have to study." You see, you put anything before God, you become a sinner. I think education is great. I got straight A's my last semester of Bible college. Finished my bachelor's this summer on my way to seminary. Glory to God. Amen. Masters in divinity. But listen to me. Anytime, whether how dirty and rotten the sin is or how special you think it is like your family. Anything you put before God, you begin to go back to your old ways. Your heart becomes dirty and filthy. You and I have to live by faith. And even if we suffer, it's okay because it's building in us character. Amen. You'll be alright. Hallelujah. Students, you'll be alright with three hours of sleep. Put God first. Those that work, you'll be okay without watching the three ball games a week that you're used to. Put God first. Amen. gets a little quiet when I talk like that. You'll be okay today if you skip lunch and stay in church all day. Amen? I think all of us could skip a meal or two. Hallelujah. Come on. Bam. That's how it is. Now go on to verse six. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Go up, brother. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. Well, look at this, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's what? Enemies. Everybody recognize that right there. If you don't have God, you are his enemy. You are not cute and cuddly. He still loves you, but you're his enemy. Amen? Everybody understand that. Some people are like, I'm not going to, you know, be, I'm not born again, but I'm not God's enemy either. No, it doesn't. doesn't, There's not three ways. There's only two ways. You are either justified by faith on your way to heaven, or you are an enemy of God. Amen. And His wrath is against you. Let's preach that gospel. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Look at this, verse eleven. Not only in this, not only so in this do we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus. Through sorry, not only in this so, but we also rejoice in God through. our lord jesus christ through whom we have now been now received reconciliation everybody said reconciliation that's a big word it kind of stumbled me a little bit everybody say it again Reconciliation. reconciliation amen now turn to psalms 24 here's the message here is the message the earth is god the fullness of this earth is his you are his he wants you to spend time with him the temple of god used to be with the ark of the covenant now it's inside your heart through the holy spirit David says, how can you meet with God every day? Here's how you meet with Him. Clean hands and a pure heart. Don't lift up your soul to an idol. And don't swear by what's false. But pastor, I do all of those things right now. That's okay. I used to too. Here's the solution. Come to Jesus. Be born again. Be justified by His blood. He died for you even while you were a sinner. Now live for Him. Don't keep repeating your sins. Let God change you. Let him produce in you character through your suffering of temptation. I still get tempted. I still get tempted to have sex with more than one woman. But I have suffered through that temptation. The Lord has found me faithful. Now I have a beautiful wife. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I, meant, I mean for 10 years I didn't have sex. You no know, look at pornography and all the guys know what type of suffering that is right there. Hello. Oh, come on. Everybody's going to try to be sanctified now in church. All these men going to try to pretend it's not a big deal. Okay. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Ten years. Eighteen to twenty-eight. Nothing. Nada. Come on. Not, not a romantic, yes, by God's grace, not a romantic walk on the beach. None of that. Holy for Jesus. Amen. That will show you that God can give it to you as well. Now look at this. Don't lift up your soul to an idol. Don't put anything before God, people. Always put God first. Don't swear by what's false. Don't lie. Be honest with who you are. Everybody got it? You want to be with God every day? Clean hands. Pure heart. Don't lift up your soul to an idol. Don't swear by what's false. Now here's where the good part comes. Band, come on back up here. It says, He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Oh, i got to say that again. Y'all just were sleeping on. I guess you were watching the band. I guess they think you're cute, brother. Watching your swagger come up here. i got to read this again to see if I have half of a church to give God some praise in this place. Amen? It says, when we do this, when we stand with God on His holy hill, when we meet with Him in His holy place, we shall receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God our Savior. That means God blesses the person who makes time for Him. The person who lives holy for Him. God will vindicate us. God will vindicate you, my brother Arson, as you go out and preach. God will be with you. God will vindicate you, Eddie and Yvette, as you go out and raise your family. And if the whole world be against you and God is for you, you still are on the winning team. Amen. You can do all things. We are blessed through Christ Jesus. We are the ones that He favors. He looks down on the job, but He sees four people going for that promotion. But He sees Adolfo, the faithful tither and giver, and the prayer man that he is. He Adolfo makes time with the Lord, and he says, Lord, favor me, bless me. And God vindicates his prayers and gives him blessings on his job. God takes care of us. Not only just the material things, but God blesses us with joy. When you go through hardship and you face trouble in life and you don't find any joy in this life, you'll have the sorrow of this world overcome you. It feels like all death is around you. You may have lost your job. People turn their back on you. You feel alone. The Bible says you get alone with God. You get in His presence. You make time in His holy hill. And He will vindicate you. He will give you the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. The Bible says that if your mind is going crazy, you can't figure out life. You feel like giving up. You feel lonely. You feel afraid. You're locked in a jail cell. You feel like everyone's turned their back on you. The Bible says you seek God in His holy place. He'll give you the peace which passes all of your understanding. And then He'll surpass you and guards your heart and mind. That's the God that we serve. It's a God that vindicates His children, His sons and daughters. When we meet up at these altars and we pray and we worship, it's not in vain. God sees us. He is here and He vindicates us. That means God's got your back. That means He sees the devil whooping on you. He says, get back, devil. I got this one. They're with me. I'm their defender. I'm their rear guard. I'm their shepherd. I take care of them. God defends the soul. Those who seek Him. The Bible says this is that generation, verse 6, of those who seek Him, who seek Your face, O God of Jacob. The Bible says He's looking for a generation. This is not just one person. This is not just one church. He's looking for a generation. That means a whole society to say, God will seek You. We'll put You first. We're going to get into Your holy place. And God says, that generation is Mine. That generation belongs to Me. Now look at the next verse the Bible says lift up your heads oh you gates be lifted up you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in come on keep going brother the Bible says you've got to open up your heart today and let God come in and when we open up our heart the gates of this city will open up the devil can't stop Jesus Christ from sending revival to a nation The devil is not our problem of why revival's not here. Listen to me. The devil's not our problem to why we have gangs and everything in this city. Because the devil's always been here. I want to tell you what the problem is. People have not opened themselves to God. They've opened themselves to the devil. And God will not surpass our free will. He gives us a choice. Whose city do you want this to be? If our government leaders and our... our fellow citizens, open themselves up to the world, then the devil comes and he reaps havoc. Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we open up our hearts, if we open up the gates, the King of Glory will come in. And He'll save a city. He'll save gangbangers. He'll save the gay community. He'll save your friends and your family. Somebody just needs to open up their heart and say, come on in, and I invite you into this city. The Bible says, Who is the King of Glory? It is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of Glory may come in. Who is He, this King of Glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of Glory. If you love Him, stand to your feet with me today. And let's begin to bless Him. Bam, come on, on the cymbals, on the stringed instruments. Just begin to lift up your voice today. Jesus.